what I'm going to talk about today is very important, though, and I believe that it's not talked about often enough. Um, before I jump into that, I do want a couple of things to mention. One, you guys, y'all know Lucas, right? Lucas, he, I'm not asking you to come up, but he's like, wait, what did I, he's going to bring the word today. I'm kidding. <laughs> he's unprepared. Hey, uh, Lucas, I failed to mention when I was talking about, I realized this when I did my, my report earlier in the year, um, maybe I did, but I think I didn't. He got his very first district pastor's license this year. So I'm just so proud of him for that. He serves on our church board and uh, has a call to ministry in his life. In fact, he's almost completed all of his requirements in the education part already. So um, in our tradition, we have several steps you have to go through when you're called to ministry. You get a local pastor's license first, which several people here hold those, and then onto a district where you're examined at the local level by the church board, at the district level by a credentials board, and then uh, finally you get, the, um, you get ordained after a certain number of years. And it's not just uh, get on the internet, fill it out, and you're done. Um, it's, uh, we take the call here seriously. And anyway, just uh, appreciate Lucas. He was up here praying earlier, if you don't know who I'm talking about. And uh, I just... Am, am proud of him and what he's done. Um, also, I wanted to mention something else I'm proud about. Maybe uh, many of you didn't hear, uh, and I, I know that she had an incredibly long day, so she's not here today, but um, our theater director, also uh, part of our church, is uh, Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany Wingo, she's not here today, so she might be watching online, I don't know. But a shout out to her. They had all day state theater competition, and our school took third in state yesterday right amazing and she got the uh, uh voted or however that the, the awarded with the best director in the state of texas for uh tcaf case and jordan another one of our students here he got uh best actor so it's amazing for our state right so it's not only the athletics that uh, excel here. I didn't, I don't know that I mentioned uh, we won the state baseball championship a couple of weeks ago. So like uh, it's, it's amazing what's, what's going on. And uh, one last thing, uh, Crave, if you sign up by tomorrow, you don't get a $300 discount. I wish that were true because I have three going. <laughs> that would be really nice. Uh, after tomorrow, it goes up. To three hundred dollars, it's I believe two seventy, two seventy right now. So the you know then it it's a stair stepping, it goes up and up and up. Um, so but that's still you want to get them signed up. Uh, I would sign up for next year if it was a three hundred dollar discount if they would let me. So, but uh, back to today. You know it's been a, an interesting week for me. I've been trying to. I don't know if you guys ever get so caught up in the busyness of things that sometimes you lose uh, sight of the end. I don't know, is that, you ever feel like that? Like I'm just caught up in the moment and I think God is, is, is shifting me, uh, giving a, a redirection that started last week for me. So I've been very, you know, God, where are we going? And when we get into today, you're gonna be like, oh, that's, I understand now. Um, because that's what I was, when I was preparing, I was like, I get it. Like, I know why you did what you did. Um, and I, for, I forgot my Bible. Would you, Sarisa, mind getting it? Thank you. How does a preacher forget his Bible? 
uh, it's on my desk in my office, um, and I'm sorry, but uh, my lovely wife uh, will get that for me. Um, I want to remind you, and I say this all the time, we want to be a church committed to an inward journey of spiritual practices and an outward journey of missional engagement. In other words, what we're doing that changes us on the inside is reflected in the way we live our lives, in what we do, and um, I think that and we're going to talk about this some, a lot of Christians live their lives as if all that matters is the inward part, but there is an outward part. How we live makes a difference to others, to God. How we live is very important because if we don't live differently, how will people know who Jesus is to us? Thank you, honey. They won't. They're going to know no difference because there will be no difference between us and them. So we're rounding the corner, coming to the very end of our uh, Ephesians series. And I know that uh, we've got just a, a few weeks left of that. We'll be done. Last week we talked about relationships um, between uh, parents and their children as well as masters and slaves or employees and in employers. And that tied to the previous week when we talked about husbands and wives. And what God did last week was really reveal the importance of relationship in life. And that's what Paul was talking about over the last couple of weeks for us that we studied is about relationship. A relationship between spouses, relationship between, in families, um, you know, parents and kids, relationships in our life situations with um, our employees and, and our employers, uh, just relationships in general. And relationship is so important that Jesus even said, this is how people will know who you are. And this is what God redirected us last week in John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new command I give you. And every time I read that, it's just, it's incredible to me because and I say it, I know I've pointed out every time, but if you're new, then you'll hear this for the first time. It's just that Jesus said, after all of the instruction and all of the teaching and all of the commands that they had, Jesus comes up and he says, a new command I give you. And I'm sure they were thinking, who is this guy to give us a new command? A new command I give you to his disciples, he said in John 13, 34. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. He says love a lot of times in those two verses, but he's trying to underlie the, uh, the importance of love. It is so important. It can't be overstated, and it should be talked about every week. Love is the core. And, and so that brings to question, and we talked about this last week also, how is it that we should love? And Jesus gives us, a, or John gives us a little insight to Jesus because it says uh, in that same chapter, but verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them until the end. Talked about that a little bit. The, those words, estelos, 
is, is like a sign of completion. It, it means until the end. That's how it's translated. He loved his disciples. This is the key though. How do we love? He loved knowing that they were weak. He loved them knowing that they were cowardly. He loved them knowing that they would be disloyal to him. He loved them knowing that they would betray him. And yet he loved anyway. So many of us are so ready to just cut it off. Right? It's about relationship. So somebody asked me, how would I define love? We talk about love, and I want you to understand that love is not a gushy feeling. I mean, it is. That's not what it always is, though. Anybody who's married knows that. You don't always have gushy feelings. I do for mine, but you may not for yours. <laughs> the best definition that I have, that I've read of love, and it's the one that I stick to, is that it is seeking the well-being of others. Because you can do that no matter the feeling you have for them. This is how Jesus says it's possible to love our enemies. If we seek their well-being, we want the best for them. And so it really, and think that definition through because it brings to light a lot of the things. Like you tell somebody I love you and then they call you and say, hey, can you help me move on Saturday? Oh, I'm not sure I love you that much. Seeking their well-being. So it might mean giving up a Saturday to help somebody move. It might mean sitting with a family of a loved one who has lost a loved one when it's incredibly difficult for you to do that. It might mean grabbing the hand of your son or daughter or your mom or dad and walking them through a tough time in their life. Seeking their well-being. I think it's a great definition. And so when we love people, we love them knowing that they're weak. We all are. Knowing that we're cowardly. Knowing they will probably betray us. Knowing that probably they're going to talk about us. And yet, we're commanded to love. It's no wonder that relationships were hard. Because we have to love people even when they hurt us. Even when they betray us. Even when they are mean to us, even when they don't reciprocate. That's another one, right? Because we want to see somebody give back. We want to know that they're loving us, but the thing that's different from us in the world is our fuel doesn't come by how they treat us, by how they love us. Our fuel comes from how he loves us. It's hard to, it's easy to say, but so hard to do, right? Like I can sit up here and say it all day and you're like, yeah, that's a nice sentiment, but that's, that's, that's how they know we're different. Because it's easy to love somebody when they love you. That's not hard. What's hard is loving somebody when they despise you. This is why I believe Satan attacks relationships so vehemently. Like he is after relationships. Because that seems like that's where we're weakest. That seems like that's where we want justice. That's the, that's the chink in our armor. That's the space where he can get us. 
So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about that and spiritual warfare. Knowing Satan is going to attack, especially relationships. How is it that we can be prepared? How can we be prepared? I mean, we know that 1 Peter, or, or yeah, 1 Peter 5.8 says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. He is after you. If he's not after you, then you need to figure out why. Because he, he probably should be. Because you're loving people even though they've betrayed you. Because you're not allowing relationships to get messed up. Because we continue to love. So today we're going to get into Ephesians uh, chapter 6 verse 10. And the notes as always are in the message, I mean in the uh, church's app. If you go to the church's app, find the sermon notes and the Bible app as well. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, and you can see how we're getting close to the end. Verse 10 today. Finally, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's interesting how he goes about it here. He says, he says, finally. Let's not forget that the first three chapters of Ephesians that we talked about uh, deal with uh, the mystery of Christ and the, the unity of the believers. Um, it deals with freedom in Jesus. Like it deals with some of those things. And then the next three chapters talk about what that life looks like when we live it out. How does this look when we live it out? And, and I find it interesting the way that they chose to break this book up into, into uh, chapters and verses because the end of chapter five is where Paul deals with uh, relationships between husbands and wives. And then the beginning of chapter six, he deals with other relationships we talked about last week. And then it gets to chapter, or verse 10, he says, finally, it feels to me like chapter 6 should have started here with the finally. Of course, they didn't ask me. I'm just telling you the flow of the book because the word finally, it means literally the rest of things. So basically what he's saying is, I've told you everything about the mystery of Christ and the freedom that we have and who God is and what he does for us together. And then I've also told you our responsibility and the relationships, how we should treat each other. And I've told you all of these things. So finally, so the rest of things, this is, this is really the end. This is, this is what I want to tell you. Knowing what it means that we have unity in Christ. Knowing what it means that we have freedom. Knowing what a life lived in Christ looks like. Understanding our responsibilities. Now finally, it's time to do the work. Basically. Back to what Sarisa made as a part of the marriage uh, the dating to death, marriages and relationships and parenting. 
is do the work. It's time to do the work. Put up your dukes. We're going to fight. I think uh, what I want to say is as we start this, we need to learn to live big in Jesus. It's okay to live big. I don't know. Like, just, just living big. Just, we're living large, man. We're, we're in Jesus. We got it. We've got the protection. We've got the power. Because here's the thing. Too many Christians are living timid and weak. Too many Christians are apathetic about being a Christian. I think too many followers of Jesus are angry. And I've seen too many followers of Jesus ready to, to cut bait. You ever heard that phrase? Like, I am done. We're going to cut it out of here. I don't see that in here. It, it, it says that we're to love each other. We're to build relationships. Even when you have a relationship go south, there are specific instructions on how to repair the relationship. We're in this thing together, man. We got to live big. We got to quit being timid. We got to quit being weak. We got to quit being apathetic. We got to quit walking around like cowards because we have Jesus. <laughs> I feel like an old timer would have said, hallelujah. <laughs> like, we got, like we got it. You know what I mean? Uh, Christians, some Christians, I think they're just living wrong. What did Jesus say in John 10, 10? He said this, I have come that you know this, that you may have life. Some version says, have it more abundantly. Some version says, have it to the full, like the fullness of life. I've come to give that to you, as full as you can have it. Live big. Thank you. <laughs> because that's okay, you know. And we need to stay focused. Because unless we're focused, we're not going to love like Jesus for lives to be changed. Keep Christ at the center of our lives. Keep our eyes on Jesus. The, the problem is, is that we get tired of doing the work. Okay, I, I can use myself for an example. And this isn't to, I want no accolades. So don't say anything to me after, please. I grew up in sports, doing athletics and stuff. And after I got out, I continued to eat like I had <laughs> when I was doing, you know what I mean? So that's, that's how, and that's how I ended up overweight. I was big. And, um, after some, even now, I had, a, I had a big apple fritter this morning. It was amazing. It was so good. I have a very unhealthy relationship with food. So, like, I can't eat. I want to eat all of it. This is my problem. The thing is, is that after some time when I just decided to, there's days that I don't want to do. I don't want to eat right. There's days I don't want to do exercise. But I'm here to tell you that unless you do the work, nothing will change. And I think that's the same thing. So it's not about that. And it's not about me. The point is, and you guys all know this, when you've set out to do something, every year we make New Year's resolutions in, on December, how many people are still doing them? The thing is, is you've got to do the work. And as Christians, I think we think, we say our prayer and ask Jesus into our hearts and then we rest. But that's not the life he's called us to. 
He's called us to a life where he stays at our center, where uh, we keep our faith on him. In Hebrews it says, um, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, you guys know this, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus, he went through all kinds of things, and, and he did the work, and we're keeping our eyes on him. How did he do it? It takes work on our part. It's the same thing with every relationship in your life. It takes work. If you think, I'm going to get married and then I'm going to smooth sail for the rest, it's not going to happen. You have to wake up every day and endeavor to love them more. But it's the same thing with Jesus. We also need to be strong. Realize that we need God. I read a, I was going to say it's a story. I'm not sure it's a story. It's more of a joke. Some scientists decided that they didn't need God anymore, that they had come far enough in science to create anything they needed to create. And so the scientists, a group of scientists got together and they said, yeah, we can do this. Let's, let's, uh, let's tell God we don't need him anymore. So they elected one representative. This representative went and they had a meeting with God and said, God, we've decided, we've gathered together, we've advanced far enough in science, we don't need you for anything. We can do anything that we need without you. Including, you know, we can create life. And God said, well, let's see. And so the scientist said, all right. And he reached down and scooped up some dirt, gonna make some life. And God said, no, go get your own dirt. <laughs> Because we need God, man. We need God. How well do we handle problems when they come? Listen, I mess up things all the time. I have got to have God. It's when I trust God. When I take a breath. When I allow him to be my rock that I can handle those problems better. Our strength is not strong enough on our own. It just isn't. And that's why I like to say take a breath. My personality is not take a breath. Mine is let's go as hard and as fast and as long as we can. Till we pass out. Then we take a breath. You know, like I have to be careful. So sometimes God says to me, hey, pause. Take a breath. Refocus. Where are we at? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? He never said the Christian life is going to be easy. In fact, I would dare say it's, it's the opposite of easy. Like people who choose not to follow Jesus, they're taking the easy way. The people who choose Jesus, it, it's, it's not going to be easy. But the thing is, is that we don't have to do it by ourselves. He gives us his strength. Our own strength is going to fail. And here's where we start to get into spiritual warfare because our strength is no match for Satan. Our strength is no match for Satan. The strength of the believer is the strength we receive through our dependence on God. If you try to go at it yourself, you will fail. Our strength is no match. In fact, Satan is more powerful than the mightiest of all the saints you know. 
But God has not left you by yourself to fight demonic forces depending on your strength. And it's interesting the way that Satan attacks us because he's going to attack us where we're weak. And so often where we're weak is in relationships. Listen, we are at war. Make no mistake about it. When you choose Jesus, you choose a side and you are at war now. But the victory has already been given to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you the victory. And, and so I'm going to briefly get into it. I'll spend the next three weeks, two or three weeks, talking about the armor of God only. Like we're going to go through armor piece by piece. Today we're just going to kind of uh, peruse the top of it. The instruction is to put on the full armor of God. The full armor. And the Greek word there means the complete battle gear of the warrior. Now for the Roman Empire, and this is what Paul based his stuff on, there was um, all the things that you can read on and get, you know, the shoes and the breastplate and the helmet and, and the sword. Like all those things were part of the Roman Empire. But in my mind, I see like a Navy SEAL. You know what I mean? Or a Green Beret or somebody with their, their pack on and they're like, oh, they're, they're ready to, to go to battle. We're talking about the, the complete battle gear of the warrior. When you accept Christ, he's saying, this is how you do it. Now, some people are against violence. Well, that's fine, but violence against the devil is encouraged with Jesus. Don't do it by yourself. And, and the armor has both offensive and defensive parts. Don't be fooled. We are involved in a cosmic struggle. We are wrestling the forces of Satan. Like, do you understand that? And we have to be fully prepared. Think about your life and where is he attacking you? And we have strength in the Lord. I wonder if sometimes we just look foolish to God because he's like, hey, you have the full might of my power here through the Spirit. The full might of his power and we're still walking around like, Oh, God, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Like Eeyore. It's Eeyore. You guys know Eeyore, right? Nobody likes me. <laughs> Eeyore. Don't become Eeyore. He's made you more like Tigger. <laughs> he, he wasn't aggressive either, but you know what I mean. Like, in my mind, that's who a Christian is. Like, we're, we're going after it, man. We're... We're attacking the devil. We're keeping our relationships right. We're in the scripture. We're going to go, and we'll go through all these things in the next few weeks about the being battle ready with the armor of God. But the thing is, is we have strength in God. The full might of his power. Do you understand that? The, I don't know how, what other words to use. Bigger words, more impressive words. The full might. All of it through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we're allowed to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's another interesting word, the schemes. The schemes that he's talking about is uh, 
It means to be cunning or to stalk, as in stalking a prey. So when it says to avoid the schemes of the devil, he's talking about the devil who is very cunning and he is stalking us. You ever watch the Discovery Channel when it's not a show? Do they do other things anymore? Used to, they would have like, you watch the Discovery Channel and it shows like nature and like the, and then all of a sudden the lion goes and eats the zebra. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? Well, the lion is stalking. You guys have seen that, right? That's what the devil's doing to us. He's like a roaring lion stalking us. His schemes, he's after us. But the thing is, is we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be scared. And what he does to us, the, the way he's so cunning, is he convinces us that our battle is with the finance company. That our battle is with the, the person in church we don't like. That our battle is with the spouse because they looked at us funny. That's not who our battle is with. He finishes up and says that your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sounds like we're talking about relationships, right? Your battle's not against that person on Facebook who voted for somebody different than you. You act like it is, but it's not. Your battle is against princes of, uh, excuse me, principalities in darkness. We get all angry at a person or an institution or a political party, but that's not how our battle is with. Um, and you need to know that warfare is real. I don't know. So some of you have maybe never been involved. Maybe you've felt attacked but never been involved on the attack. I, I don't know your um, experience with spiritual warfare. But it's real. And it's something to not be taken lightly. And it's something that we need to have the full power of the Spirit with us. So that we can engage it because we should. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteous faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Relationship again, see that? And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. <laughs> We're the Lord's servant, right? We're not talking about somebody's servant. We're talking about us. Kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Like the battle is for real. These battles are happening. The question is, will we stand against them? Or will we just be lukewarm? And you know what Revelation says, what John wrote in Revelation that God said he's going to do with the lukewarm, right? Spew them out of his... The word that is used for spew means to vomit. It's like a vile word. That's how God feels about lukewarm. So are we going to stand against these forces? Or be lukewarm. And listen, I don't want to focus on the forces of Satan. That's not my goal today. My goal is to invite you to stand with his armor. 
It's not about how strong Satan is. Just like a soldier who is called to active duty, so is every believer. And we understand that in the United States, what it means for a soldier to be called to active duty. When you accept Christ, you are enrolled in the active duty forces of God to fight the enemy. Today we stand firm in battle. And, and next week we'll talk about this, but I love this scripture. You may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, continue to stand. Right? That's, that's where we get to next week. Verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. <laughs> like, I feel sometimes, and anybody who's participated in any kind of um, vigorous activity or something, you understand that sometimes you just want to sit. <laughs> like, I am done. And what God is saying is when you've done everything you can to stand, to stand some more. But we're not doing it on our own. We're not doing it by ourselves. We're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. What I want for us is to become an aggressive group of Satan fighters. That's what I want. Um, I, not just me, but I believe that that's what God is calling us to. Because there are offensive parts to the armor of God things that we can use, but you have to be prepared to use them. So you may be sitting there today and asking yourself, I'm not sure where Satan has attacked me. You need to think about the things that are going on in your life and think about relationships and think about your job and think about your bank account and think about just the different things that are going on and look at where he might be attacking. And here's how you can pray. I don't want to, we're going to talk more about this, but um, you might hear me pray sometimes for God to clear the atmosphere. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to remove anything that is not of him, which is the forces of the enemy. We pray for protection by the blood of Jesus Christ to protect me. I'm asking sometimes for a hedge of protection around me, around my family, around us. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over you guys. Sometimes when I'm praying, that's my prayer, the blood of Jesus Christ to cover you and to protect you, the blood of Jesus Christ to protect. I've prayed the blood of Jesus Christ over my, my family, each one of the people in my family, and over my home. In fact, I have done a mental exercise where I've prayed for Jesus to protect every window, every door, every mind, like it's an exercise that, that I do from time to time because we have to do those things. Not, not me. And then I take Jesus as an example because think about every encounter that Jesus had with a demonic force. Every single one. It was like they were in pain to be in his presence. Right? Do you read it that way? That's how I read it. He walks up and they say, what do you want from me? Like, I don't want to be, please don't do that to me. Send me into the pigs. Like, they can't stand to be in his presence. Which means if you have Jesus, they can't stand to be in your presence either. And that's awesome. So live like people, Christians who have the power. That's what we want. Live like Christians who know where we're going and what's going on. But I want you to know there is no magic pill. 
There is no easy way out. When it comes to spiritual warfare, it is real, and we must get ready to fight because there is a battle for your soul. And God is giving you everything that you need to stand firm and to fight the enemy. We don't have to do it ourselves, but we must do it. It's no mistake that this teaching comes on the heels of Paul talking about relationships because Satan knows that relational conflicts are what drive us the most. I mean, just think about the water cooler talk at work or uh, the people that are around that you don't like or the rumors and the gossip that get spread about or that person who really angered you. Like those, for some reason, those things, like my grandpa would say, they sit in your crawl, right? Whatever that means. They just, it's like they just, ugh. Don't, don't let it do that to you. Because those things can cause some of the most spiritual damage that a person can endure. Satan also knows that when we bring, he doesn't want Jesus involved because he knows when we bring Jesus, he loses. Never forget that we are fighting for souls. We are fighting for the souls of your friends. We're fighting for the souls of your family. We're fighting for your soul and my soul. I had a talk with, um, coming here to the end of the school year, with my kids the other day, and I told them it's time to tighten our belts and get ready, just make this last push. Like, we gotta do it. We gotta push through. We're almost there. <laughs> I don't know where that came from either. Tighten your belt up. Let's get tough and let's push through. That's how I feel about this. Do the work. Tighten our belts up. Let's do the work of preparation because the battle belongs to us. Will you guys pray with me? God, this morning, I... I'm not sure that I know exactly what you want from us or for us. I know that, um, that you want us to succeed. You want us to win. You have given us what is necessary. Holy Spirit, with you, we can do all things. So when we talk about a battle with the devil, I don't want it to be taken lightly, but we also don't want it to be scary because we know that we have you. So I pray that you would help us with that. And wherever the enemy today is attacking, wherever the enemy today is fighting, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would begin to to heal those attacks on those people, whoever's here. And that the blood of Jesus would just cover them and protect them in Jesus' name. And so this morning, as a way of closing, we're gonna close with communion here in a minute. Um, but I don't want you to just rush to communion. I would like for you to spend some time praying if you'd like. I think it'd be good.
if God is attacking you in a certain way, I mean, God, if the devil is attacking you in a certain way and you need God's help, Holy Spirit, we need you to, to protect us in this place. We need to plead the blood of Jesus. We need to ask for a hedge of protection. Whatever those, that looks like for you, then just spend some moments here before we get into communion and ask him to do that for us. The altars are open. I can imagine that Jesus maybe was under a tremendous amount of attack. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but the night before he died, which is what we read in John 13, that having loved his own, he loved them till the end. He knew what they were going to do, and he knew they were going to betray him, and he knew, and he had all these thoughts. I'm, I can imagine he had all these thoughts and things in his mind, but he still pushed through and did the hard thing for us. So today, as we get ready for communion, I just ask you to, to think about that and, and spend some time praying. And come kneel and pray and say, God, protect me from this. Help me with this. Or maybe you see a situation that's on its way. God, give me wisdom to know how to handle it when it gets here. At our church, we believe in, uh, we have what we call open communion. So you don't have to be a member of the church to participate in communion. There's going to be four stations and those that are helping, feel free to come and and get, we have two on the back that have um, prepackaged elements, and then we have two in the front where you can come if you would like to uh, do it by intention, which means you'll tear a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. There will be people there to serve you at either place. Um, we remember how on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said this is my body which will be broken for you and then when the meal was over he took the cup they call it the cup of blessing and he gave it to his disciples and he told them to drink this the blood of a new covenant which will be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins he said, when we do this, to do this in remembrance of him. So this morning, as we, God, take these elements, remembering Jesus, your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us, the, the blood of a new covenant, of a new way of being, of one that allows us to be empowered by you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would Help us to remember what you did for us and how that makes us even more capable of defeating the enemy. Be with us this morning as we share this sacred time of communion together in Jesus' name.